let's talk about Baltimore. And I, before we get into this, I just want to qualify my ability to talk about Baltimore. There are a lot of people weighing in on Baltimore that never lived there, that never spent any time there, that are making excuses on either side. But let's just go ahead and talk about Baltimore. By the way, this is the No Things Considered podcast. My name is Tim Young. I'm Tim Runs His Mouth on Twitter. You can find me all over the place. I'm a Fox 5 DC contributor. I fill in for Sirius XM Patriot a lot. How uh, to have a book too. How about that? Let's forget all that. Let's talk about Baltimore. Let's qualify why I can talk about Baltimore. I grew up there. I lived there for 27 years, the first 27 years of my life, arguably 28, before moving to Austin for four and a half years and then moving back to the area to Washington, D.C. to work in politics and media. What I saw there was poverty. What I saw there was crime. I went to law school there. I went to undergrad at University of Maryland, Baltimore County, which is just outside the city, but many of my friends came from Baltimore City to go there, so I learned from their experiences. We're going to get to all of this today. But let's start with what what kicked this all off. Elijah Cummings criticizes the president nonstop. Nonstop. Says he's going to get impeached, blah, blah, blah. The whole thing. The, you know, the, the, the typical Democrat House congressman speak at this point. And finally, Donald Trump tweets back at him. Rep. Elijah Cummings, this is Donald Trump's t- tweet, Rep. Elijah Cummings has been a brutal bully shouting and screaming at the great men and women of Border Patrol about conditions at the southern border when actually his Baltimore district is far worse and more dangerous. His district is considered the worst in the USA. As proven last week during a congressional tour, I could read, the border is clean, efficient, and well-run, just very crowded. Cummings' district is disgusting, rat- and rodent-infested mess. If he spent more time in Baltimore, maybe he could help clean up this very dangerous and filthy place. I'm not sure just to start off. I'm not sure where people think this is racist. Rat and rodent infested mess. If you are a person that is saying that rodent infested means black people, you are the racist. This is very clearly talking about rats and rodents. Because what happened was, and the timing of this was, my friend Kim Klasik had just done something on Fox News. She's uh, African-American, in case you guys need any qualifiers on her, and she's from Baltimore as well, very brilliant woman, did a video showing just how bad West Baltimore is, just how bad Elijah Cummings' district is, and it's bad. We'll get to that in a minute on my personal experience. But Kim Klasik does this video showing the actual rodents, showing the filth and the poverty and the awful conditions, and talking to the people, not just walking through and not talking to anybody, having Baltimoreans actually tell their experiences and speak about their lives and how terrible they are. It's sad. It's depressing. It's awful. And because Donald Trump tweets about it, the left nitpicks this tweet and goes, okay, oh, he said rodent infested. Oh my God, he he must clearly be talking about people here. He must be talking about black people, right? That's clearly he's a racist. This is a racist tweet. He he criticized Elijah Cummings. Nobody's buying it anymore. Nobody buys this trash anymore. Nobody buys... You can't look at Baltimore City in any shape or form and say that it's in good condition. You take a look at... Hollywood has portrayed Baltimore as awful. You take a look at The Wire... The Wire was absolutely showed all the crime and the corruption that was based, by the way, a a Baltimore, a former Baltimore Sun reporter, I believe editor, was who wrote and created The Wire. All of those stories were based on real stories. Everything he saw. Was he racist? No, he was an entertainment king. He created the, The Wire that showed people just how bad Baltimore is. 
And then you've got Hairspray that celebrates how poor Baltimore is. The very opening song, Good Morning Baltimore, in 30 seconds, I posted it on my Twitter. You can go see this. She, uh, the, the main character, Tracy, dances out in the street around rats, gets fl- uh, flashed by a flasher, and then sees a bum in 30 seconds. John Waters, one of the most iconic Baltimoreans, brilliant man, who, by the way, spoke out against Trump saying this, and we'll get to that in a sec, too, literally categorizes Baltimore as poor, rat-infested, and crime-infested. So don't you tell me that what he's saying, what Donald Trump is saying, is racist. He's pointing out facts. You can dodge the problem by saying it's racist. And that's what's happening here. People don't want personal responsibility. The Democrats don't want to be blamed for it because it is their district. It has been controlled by Democrats, by people of color that are in charge in all of these positions as well. It's not white people. In case you're wondering if it's white people holding people down. It has been a very diversely led district. And where has it been led to? So let's, again, I want to talk about my experience, but since I went there on, on the racial side of things, people were yelling, well, why doesn't Donald Trump, why isn't he talking about poor places in Kentucky? Why isn't he talking? Listen, he does. But in this instance, he's replying to Elijah Cummings attacking him and going after the border. And he's going one for one, and he's pointing at Elijah Cummings, and he's saying, look at your district. This isn't racially motivated. This is an attack for an attack. This is a point for a point. It has nothing to do with race. In fact, Baltimore taught me that there's a cycle of poverty that is set up to keep people where they are. And you guys, I know that you follow me on Twitter. I know that a lot of you are listening to this. You're going to argue with me. But this is where the concept of white privilege comes from. It should be socioeconomic privilege. Because people who are stuck in these places in Baltimore, in these poor parts of Baltimore, they're stuck there. There's no way out. There's no hope. And you see the conditions that they live in. You see what their neighbors go through. You see the levels of crime. And there's no hope. Not a tear has ever been cried for them on CNN. Not one person has ever shed a tear on CNN because of the conditions of people living in Baltimore City. But they cried because Donald Trump said mean things. Because he said that Baltimore City was rat and rodent infested. Get out of here. Get the F out of here. I'm editing myself here. Because I'm not sure if you're listening to this on the way to church or during church. You might. Who knows? Get out. I'm, I'm so... I'm so disgusted that the strategy, Donald Trump brings up a real issue, a real issue that I grew up with. And the strategy is call it racist, ignore it, and it'll go away. I made the joke on my Twitter. It's like uh, my, my housemate saying, hey, uh, there's, you got your dirty dishes here. You're going to clean up your dirty dishes in the sink. We're going to get roaches. And I go, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why are you racist? And then I get on Twitter and I tweet something yesterday. Everybody's tweeting, we, hashtag, we are Baltimore. I could be like, we, we are dirty dishes. And then you ignore it and the problem goes away. My favorite tweet, by the way, that was shared by everyone, including news people from Baltimore, was these three old Canadian women drinking martinis saying, oh, we are Baltimore. Baltimore's a fabulous city. Baltimore's a fabulous city. We have martinis on a Saturday night in Canada. We're tweeting from like Ottawa. We are Baltimore. You're the problem, old ladies, you old white ladies with martinis. You're the problem. You're why Democrats are going to lose, and you're why these people are stuck in a cycle of poverty in Baltimore, because you ignore it, and you go for a talking point and a stupid hashtag on Twitter. I want to tell you about my life. So I grew up in Baltimore, uh, and uh, my my dad was frequently out of work, um, lower middle class. He was part of a union. The union would go on strike all the time. He was a pipe fitter. Um, 
I didn't realize until later on in life how poor we were um, until I looked back on all the times people from church would come over during the week to bring us food and bring us dinner. And it was because the community was helping us out when we didn't have anything. I didn't, I didn't realize, because kids, real, kids don't realize a couple of things. One, how poor they are, unless it's pointed out to them. And two, they don't see race either. I mean, I was very diverse. I had tons of friends who were all, all different ethnicities in Baltimore. I, I, didn't, I didn't know anything different. So I was able to, in my life, I was taught that I needed to work to get out of where I was. My parents used to tell me they were working hard so that I could get out of the conditions that I was in. Let me tell you a couple of these fun conditions. Um, one, in middle school, there was a drug ring at my middle school. There, I, there was a, I believe it was the student government treasurer or something like that was running a drug ring. There was a massive drug bust then. I didn't understand quite what it was and what was going on. But that was just something that was pervasive in my life at that point. Um, again, when you're in it and you don't see it from a, uh, a third-person perspective, you're like, oh, well, there's a drug. this kid got arrested, whatever. There was a drug ring in my middle school. Right? We just, we didn't have stuff. We, we were robbed. We were stalked. My bike got stolen a gazillion times. You know, it's just commonplace. My friends were robbed. Some of my friends ended up selling drugs. I'm going to skip to high school when my high school was number one in teen pregnancy and number one in narcotics where I went. I actually went to high school just inside the county in Baltimore County, in, uh, just outside the southwest corner of Baltimore City. And we were number two. So we were number one in narcotics, number one in uh, teen pregnancy, and number two in dropout. This is what I was told by the, I was student government president at the time, and I was I actually ended up being valedictorian in my high school class, but it's like uh, we were two-thirds of the triple crown of poverty. And so I went to college at UMBC. I was, I didn't know any better, and I got a local, uh, I got a, a scholarship to go. It was actually the, it's called the Meyerhoff Scholarship. It's to help uh, socioeconomic and minorities get into the, the arts and sciences, actually, sorry, the sciences, the hard sciences. I was bio, biochem was my major to start off in, in college. But what I learned from there and the people that I met in that program was pri prim primarily African-American program that I got the uh, scholarship in. And I was in a hall with them. Um, great, great human beings. They're all M MD and PhD and brilliant, brilliant human beings. Was that they, like myself and why I was selected for this program, knew that they had to work hard to get out of where they were. And they came from places that were socioeconomically challenged, challenged, places like Baltimore, outposts in the middle of the country, places where they actually faced racism on a regular basis. And I learned for four years from some of my best friends in undergrad what racism does and what poor government does and how people are kept where they are and not expected to achieve anything. And it's a cultural thing. If you take a look at a... The one thing about the movie Hairspray is that they just expect everyone to just stay poor and they celebrate being poor. They don't celebrate people getting out of where they're from. They're singing songs about crime, homelessness, and rats, and poverty, and they're celebrating. 
I mean, it's so the people I met in undergrad, the diverse people that I met in undergrad taught me so much more about the world and opened my eyes to not only who I was, who they were, what the world is like, but where I came from. Because you don't see it when you're living it. You're just living it. And you know you got to work hard to get out or you're stuck. And the problem is for many people, they're put in a position where they are, they, they're set to believe that they can't get out. And that's what's happening in Elijah Cummings' district. So I went to law school at the University of Baltimore, which is West Baltimore. And in law school, I did three things. One, I lost 130 pounds because I, I was fat and I just went to the gym all the time. I studied. I, I went to the gym all the time. And the third thing I did, and I hate talking about when I, when I do things like this. There's a passage in the Bible about talking about when you do good works and you do things to help out people, you're not supposed to talk about it. And when I was there, I volunteered with kids who had just gotten out of juvenile detention for theft or narcotics, stupid stuff, stuff that society wanted to forget them. And a lot of them were from West Baltimore. I helped kids get their GEDs, which you don't think about. Like a kid goes to juvie, say a kid gets locked up for something dumb. Right? They get in a fight, they get locked up, or they uh, sell drugs or something. They don't know what they're doing. You know, they know they just need to make money for their family. A lot of these kids were trying to make money for their family who couldn't make their bills in West Baltimore. Rent's not high there, by the way. Somebody, I saw somebody say rent's high. Rent's not high there. It's just terrible. It's just poverty. And the easiest thing they can do is sell drugs to make money. So they get locked up, and they come out, and they want to change their lives, and they want to get work experience, and they can't because they don't have GEDs, they don't have real-world experience. They're just thrown back into the streets by the system. And so my time in law school was spent helping these kids get work experience and um, helping them get, just learn, learn stuff that they missed when they were stuck in juvie, helping them get back on their feet and helping them contribute to society. That was a, a very in, incredibly important to me. And there's one guy in particular, I'm never going to name any names and talk about this stuff um, in detail. It already bothers me to talk about my volunteer service. But like, when I hear people say that it's racist to talk about the conditions in West Baltimore and they blow it off, I think that's worse than racism. Calling facts racist because some lazy ass congressman hasn't done anything for his district. Because the mayors of Baltimore, one mayor, I kid you not, I believe it was two mayors ago, uh, was convicted of stealing gift cards that were given for needy families. She took them by herself, piles of them, and went and bought an Xbox and a few other items. Best Buy gift cards, all of these things, like $10, $20 gift cards that were given to give to poor families. She kept them for herself. Google it. It happened. This last mayor had to resign because of corruption. And Elijah Cummings has been the one consistent thing for 27 years in this district, and the district sucks, and it's gotten worse. So don't tell me it's racist to point out the bad things in this district, the poverty, the cycle of poverty. So these kids I worked with were taught about the cycle. I, I taught them. Like I, I, 
they wanted to change their lives. They wanted to get out like I wanted to get out of my conditions. And my conditions weren't as bad. But they wanted to change their lives and they wanted to make a difference. And I, and I learned so much. I used to drive one guy home. And he lived in one of those places that Kim Klasick showed. And that's what he had. And that's like what his family had. And his, I mean, I, I don't want to talk... It, it pains me. It pains me to talk about this stuff. Because I don't, I don't want to... His, his dad had been killed from something, and his mom was all they had, and she could barely get a minimum wage job. And he was locked up because he was trying to sell drugs to help his family. And I know like a lot of you guys are going to be like, oh my God, drugs are the worst thing. He must be terrible because he sold drugs. You don't understand when there just aren't options. And the easiest thing you can do because you love your family is to turn to crime. Because that's what happens in these communities and these neighborhoods. There's a cycle. People aren't taught that they can work hard and get out. People aren't given opportunities to get out. People are stuck in these poor neighborhoods. And yes, it's not just Baltimore. Sure, you want to you say it's in their poor towns in Kentucky and Missouri and everywhere else too. Yes, yes, it's everywhere. It's a socioeconomic thing. People are stuck in a cycle of poverty and they can't get out and they look for the easiest way out. And one of the easiest ways for a kid that doesn't know better is to go to the streets and sell drugs. And that's what this kid did. And he told me about his friends being shot. He told me about his friends being robbed. It's just a cycle of everything. And then And then... Because it's the quote-unquote bad part of town, and it was, the cops there go there more frequently, and the cops know to look for things. This is where you guys will get angry at me. This is where there is a line with what white privilege is. White privilege isn't about what you get, it's what you don't get. Cops aren't going to the good part of town with the white people looking specifically for crime. They're not stopping drunk white people stumbling down the street out of a bougie bar to see what they're on. Cops go to the bad parts of town looking around for kids that are out late at night and stop them and talk to them. Now, there are good cops. There are bad cops. There's all that kind of stuff. I learned about that, too. I was trained. One of my advisors in law school was one of the heads of the public defender's office in Maryland. I think he was retired at the time. But you, you learn just so much about how corrupt the city is and how bad the conditions are for these kids. And, and I want you guys, I, I, can't, I can't explain it to someone who hasn't experienced it. I wouldn't live there. There's a reason that guy was Victor Blackwell or whatever. says I think he said he was from there. And he, he doesn't live there anymore. And if he does, he lives in some sort of nice area where, where Elijah Cummings is. Probably some nice condo in a good part of, area, of the area. In the gerrymandered district. You should look at it. It looks like a, a dog with its mouth open. It's this huge gerrymandered district that he has. But I, I want you I want you to just take a look at what's happening there. Take a look at the facts. And I'll end with this because I've really gone on way too long about this. I just my experience is it hurts me. It hurts me when I see a news organization post up a picture of Harbor Place. WBAL posts up a picture of Harbor Place and says, hashtag we are Baltimore. The president criticized us, but we are Baltimore. It's like, you assholes, that is downtown. That is Harbor Place where crime still happens. Don't get me wrong, but that's where all the money is. That's where all the the 
affluent people live, one of the big areas where all the affluent people live, you're going to show the good part when 99% of the rest of the city is is in poverty and poor and is afraid of crime and is afraid to go out at night and is in a cycle where they, they have to go and sell drugs to make it or commit, or commit crimes because that's what they believe is their only way that they can make it. You're an asshole for posting that and being like, we, hashtag we are Baltimore. These people, the people who are posting we are Baltimore moved out of there. There was another news person who was like, my daughter went to law school there at University of Maryland. It Also in the good affluent part of town, by the way, it's by the stadiums uh, and, and the Hippodrome where the theater is. And the medical school, all the schools are in one area. They keep them in one little area there. It's a very isolated couple of blocks. Lexington Market up the street, they probably wouldn't go to. It's probably too, too, uh, too violent for them, too scary for them to go to. But if you go into the town and you just go to the University of Maryland, yeah, oh yeah, whatever. Little affluent area. It's not the rest of the city. It doesn't represent the entire city. So don't tell me. Hashtag we are Baltimore. You're going to whitewash this by putting a nifty little hashtag up and ignore the real problems. The cycle of poverty, of crime. Kim Klasik showed the truth. She showed real videos. I've experienced it. I'm happy to talk to it at any point. But you can't just call things racist when they're a real problem. I, I, it, this, this whole thing, this whole thing bothers me. Got people in the media jumping on it saying, oh, Donald Trump is a racist because he criticizes. Because he criticizes a real problem. That a congressman has done nothing for his district. Did you know that Obama gave $1.8 billion, $1.8 billion of stimulus package money and the American, whatever, reinvestment act that he passed to Baltimore? Where the hell is that money? I don't want to take up any more of your time. I can rant about this all day long. I just want you to know I am passionate about Baltimore. I've I've worked with the kids there. I've tried to help out. I also volunteered in the and with a little bit of truancy court work in, in the school system. Kids are truant. Kids aren't able to be proficient enough to pass regular standardized tests in math. Math tests aren't racist, so you can, you know, excuse away the rest of the standardized tests, but math tests aren't. It hurts me. It hurts me because I saw it. It hurts me because I lived it. And you can't just write off real-world problems as racist because your elected officials can't handle it. Sorry, I wasn't that funny today. It hurts my feelings. Actually, you can hear me get choked up in parts because... Those kids... F these people that are that are saying that this is racist and they're blowing it off and they're speaking from a position of like wealth uh, with with a microphone in the media. Hashtag we are Baltimore. Three Canadian, mo- uh, clearly moderately wealthy old white women, clinking their little martini glasses together. This is the shit that like the Hunger Games shit, where like you got people in District One who are celebrating and saying how great life is, and then all the other places suck. That's that's what that is. God, that hurts my feelings. These people are assholes. There's my Baltimore accent. I'll end on my Baltimore accent calling people a-holes. <laughs> Just sorry I cussed, guys. Um, 
anyway, I hope you listen to this. I hope you learned something, and I'm, I'm open to answering any questions you want. Yeah, I'm a white guy. Yeah, I'm a Republican. Yeah, I grew up super, 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 super poor in Baltimore. And yeah, I helped out people there. And yeah, I've been and I've experienced the criminal justice system and poverty through their eyes and through their experiences. I sat down with them. That's a lot more than any of these effers on Twitter. Hashtag we are Baltimore are doing. It hurts my feelings. It should hurt them too. They don't deserve to be in public office if they don't recognize this stuff. They don't deserve deserve anything. These people need your help in Baltimore. These people need your help in all of these communities around the country. It's everywhere. All right, that's the No Things Considered podcast. Didn't seem like no things were considered there, though, right? It's, uh, I consider it a lot there. My name's Tim Young. Uh, please like and subscribe. Share it with your friends. This one's an important one to me. So thank you guys for listening.